guts spilled out, the Holy Spirit spilled out, all so that the church would be spilled out into the world. All this and more in the book of Acts. Welcome to Daily Gospel, equipping you to know God through His Word and His Son, Jesus Christ. My name is Keith, and this is Brandon, and we are pastors here in Santa Cruz, California at Gospel mm-hmm. Community Church. Welcome, and if you are of the church, I hope you have been spilled out into the world. Oh, you will be after this. You will be, yes, surely. Oh, surely. man, I got a fresh cup of tea here. Don't spill do it. Oh. <laughs> um, lots of people die in this book. Yes. In various ways. Yes. That's you thought that was only for the Old Testament. <laughs> oh, Nay, you nay. Fools. It is for the church. Yes. Very interesting. And it, t- it teaches us a lot, though. You know, obviously death is a serious thing. But, um, yeah, these the, this book is so fascinating. And um, it's great to see, you know, you can't kill Paul, too. Paul, <laughs> like, I love it's how... like Bruce Willis and Die Hard, man. <laughs> <laughs> from the moment Paul gets converted, I'm getting ahead of myself, but... People are trying to kill him from yep. the from like the first days he gets converted. It's yeah. great. Well, it's, it's kind of awesome. what he gets. I mean, he's trying to kill Christians, so yeah. why not? You know, it's only fair. Yeah, exactly. but they can't kill him. They yep. can't. No, nope. they can't. just try so many ways, and can't then eventually they do kill him. So, but yeah, we'll get there. So we're <laughs> in the book of Acts. So I hope you're excited for this. This is the longest book in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. So Luke was the longest gospel, but Acts is the longest book. What a long-winded and guy. It is, yeah, he definitely, and he, I mean, like, when I look look at the last few chapters, there's so many details of, like, this wind came, and they threw out this anchor, and, like, there's, like, very specific details mm-hmm. that, again, really, I mean, only make sense if you're an eyewitness. Right. The, none of those details on their, on their face mm-hmm. seem to add anything other than they show that, uh, that Luke was a historian. Mm-hmm. He was really carefully accounting for this, and also he was there. Right. He was he was there with Paul on these journeys. So we're going to see some good stuff. We're going to see people um, getting eaten by worms. Yeah, pretty cool. We're going to see literal shipwrecks, magicians yep. appear a few times. Yep, um, it's going to be good. So let's let's uh, talk about some of the intro materials here. So so who wrote the book of of Acts? Well, everyone pretty much agrees it was the same person who wrote Luke. Mm-hmm. There's so much continuity. So many similar themes, the intros and all that writing style. It's very clear, even to those who doubt, you know, if the the books of scripture written by who they claimed written by, even the critics, so to speak, would still agree that Luke and Acts written by the same person. So mm-hmm. you can go back and hear some of our explanation of why we believe that Luke was written by Luke, mm-hmm. but that's who wrote Acts as well. So, and some people will say Luke and Acts, as we mentioned during Luke. Um, that they're the same book and it was just kind of chopped in half, mm-hmm. right? He was writing and he ran out of scroll space and he said, man, I should have like condensed yeah. this a little more. And then he had to get a second scroll and write Acts. I don't think that's true. It's definitely a sequel. There's definitely huge connections between the two. That's clear. It doesn't seem like it's one continuous read though. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it's very much like it ends the ministry of Jesus and it starts a new era in history with the start of the church. Right. And then also some of the themes that were present in Luke are missing in Acts. Mm-hmm. So this focus that we saw was huge in Luke on women, outcasts, the poor, Gentiles, right. yep. those who are on the outskirts of society. That emphasis is not really present in Luke. Hmm. I'm sure we could point to a few, right. right? People that are healed, things like that. But that's that's as much as there is in Matthew or Mark or John. Right. Luke was heavily focused on that, and now he's he's not. So I think some of those differences in themes stand out, and this is probably not. The, the uh, written at the same time. That makes sense. Or as one book. Yeah. Um, and we can see at the beginning of the book why it was written. Just like in Luke, 
Theophilus. Um, the author gives us a reason why it was written. So look at verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Mm-hmm. I love that phrasing, all that Jesus began to do and teach. Jesus is gone. Mm-hmm. He's at the right hand of the Father now. Well, he's going to be in a second. And so what does he mean began to do and teach? That was mm-hmm. just the beginning? Well, what we're seeing in Acts and what we see in the epistles is that the church is the body of Christ carrying on the work of Christ. Right. And so um, this book called Acts could also be referred to as the Acts of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that's kind of how he phrases it. And then he says, until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So this is sort of the intro. He's recapping his, you know, he's pointing to his last book and saying that there was this period in between where Jesus was with his disciples. And then he's going to write this book for the encouragement of believers. Mm -hmm. So the title of the book historically is the Acts of the Apostles. We just call it Acts, but it, again, maybe it'd be better better called the Acts of the Holy Spirit because the Spirit is in, in large view, or the Acts of Jesus, Acts of Part God, Two, yeah. you know, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, but the the title is a good one. It's historically it's got a lot of of precedent. So. Right. Well, I mean, it's not totally wrong. I mean, the God's working through the you know the apostles, right? Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. What else, what else should we touch on? Well, the intro material is always lengthy. So when was this book written in oh, the yeah. New Testament? Yeah, when was it written? So it was written in the mid-60s AD. Mm-hmm. Again, we saw that in the book of Luke. It cuts off the story in of Paul in AD 62. Mm. So the fact that he doesn't include more details or go into huge events like the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70 yeah. point to the fact that it was written in the mid-60s. Maybe he just left it out for no good reason. Yeah, like why? Well, yeah, I mean, maybe there was a reason. <laughs> maybe there was a, a intention here, but it just seems like... There, it's, he would have mentioned it. He yeah, mentioned I think it. he would have. I think yeah, he would have. Yeah. So it's early, fairly yeah. early, right? It's early. It's early. <clears throat> awesome. Purpose of this book. So the purpose is to outline three decades of church history, Sick. and through that, right, more than just a historical account, to encourage believers... And by showing them the beginnings of their faith mm-hmm. right, and how God is working his plan through his church right. and through the giving of the Holy Spirit to his church. Right. So, And it, sh- it connects the ministry of Christ mm-hmm. to the spirit-filled ministry of the apostles and then to us today. Right. So it is a huge source of encouragement. Yeah, awesome. As we'll see. Very cool. And general themes that we see in the book of Acts. Yeah, obviously the church is a big theme in the book mm-hmm. of Acts. Yeah, clearly. the church is starting, right? Yeah, so. that's clearly a big theme. Also, the plan of God, we saw this a little bit in the Gospel of Luke, um, but the plan of God is is focused on that God's plan is working through things like Jew and Gentile being brought together. So that'll be a theme as well. But God's plan is working in that. We see the Word of God as a big focus. There's a lot of... The Word of God, again, is kind of personified in this book, in a sense. The Word of God... Uh, you know, grew and you know people believed in the word of God. That's right. like equivalent to believing in Jesus or mm-hmm. becoming a Christian. Right. So the word of God, we'll we'll see that quite a few times. It's also a, a quite a f- uh, focus on the latter days. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we might call the end times, mm-hmm. but what they saw as beginning after Jesus's ascension, the latter mm-hmm. days were here, mm-hmm. and what that means is the last stage in redemptive history. Right. The last stage. The last stage is this church age. This time uh, in the new covenant, right before Christ returns. So we've been living in the last days, the latter latter days for 
two thousand years. Yeah, to long um, last days. Yeah. yeah. So so that's a big focus as well. We'll see that kind of coming up in Acts chapter two, and then of course the salvation focus from Luke mm. is a big one. The mention of Savior, s- salvation, being saved, all that uh, is, is a big focus. Yeah. And then we could no, we couldn't you know fail to mention the Holy Spirit yeah. as being a big focus. So the Holy Spirit coming and manifesting himself in different ways. But the Holy Spirit's arrival, and specifically the sign of the gift of tongues, is associated with the expansion of the gospel outward. Right. So we'll get into that when we when we get there. Awesome. How's the book structured? Give us an outline. Yeah, so kind of rough. I'm, I'm trying to be really rough because, you know, you guys don't need every single verse, but the first half is kind of a focus on Peter, mm-hmm. even though Paul does make an appearance. <laughs> and then um, chapters, so chapters 1 to 12 is Peter, and chapters 13 to 28 is basically all Paul. So yeah. Paul takes center stage, and so it's selfish. all focused so on selfish. his ministry. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, he didn't write it, so Luke wrote it. Still. So, so in, in Peter, in the first half with Peter, there's a few things. So in chapters 1 and 2, we see the intro to the book and the birth of the church. Mm-hmm. Very important, the coming of the Holy Spirit. In chapters 3 to 7, there's a focus on Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Then in chapter 8, the focus shifts to Samaria. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of seeing that same pattern that was, you know, given in the Great Commission, Judea, or Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Right. So that's that's what's happening as people Very are going cool. out. So Samaria and the conversion of Saul in chapters eight and nine. And then the Gentiles become the focus in chapters ten to twelve. So nice. Peter gives the gospel to the Gentiles. There's a debate about can Gentiles be saved if they're not Jews. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in Paul's ministry, we see his his uh those chapters divided by his missionary journey. So chapters 13 and 14 is his first missionary journey. Chapter 15 is a council at Jerusalem, which is really the center of the book. Right. Then we see his second and third journeys. And then in chapter 21, we see his arrest and imprisonment. Rip. And essentially the rest of the book is about that arrest. And then the very end of the book, chapters 27 to 28, is his journey to Rome. Yep. And so the book... It, it reverses what we saw in, in Luke, which where it starts with this global focus of here's the emperor, he's giving a census, here's who this ruler is, this, and it narrows in on Galilee, and then finally in Jerusalem, mm. that is being reversed in Acts. Right. So we're going from Jerusalem to Judea, Alley. Samaria, yeah. and the ends of the earth. Yeah, awesome, very cool. And there's just this crazy focus on Rome at the end. Paul's talking about it again and again. I have to go to Rome, and then God works His plan to bring Paul there. With a Roman escort. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Luxury, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> While he's like the boss. He's like telling everyone what to do. It's so cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you want to get into the text? Let's we'll start in mm-hmm. chapter one. Let's do it. So we already read the intro there, but um, we see in chapter one, verse four, we see that Jesus is is telling them to stay in Jerusalem to receive orders from him. Mm-hmm. And he, he predicts the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right. The Holy Spirit's going to come fill them. In a unique way. We saw the filling of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament with special individuals at certain times, but now the reality is going to be that every believer is filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, crazy. You know, obviously there's a there's a sense in which you can be more filled with the Holy Spirit. So, you know, we can get into the details of that some other time. But but the idea is you, when you become a believer, this Holy Spirit dwells in you and is now shaping you, sanctifying you, directing you. And um, and praying on your behalf. Yeah, it's the the moment of regeneration, right? Yeah, so. exactly. So there, there, you know, in verse six, when they had come together, they asked Jesus, "Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel?" 
And um, so they're, they're thinking about, okay, Jesus has been resurrected. Mm-hmm. We got this warrior king that can't be defeated. Is it time now to restore the kingdom? And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or seasons the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Mm -hmm. So that sets the trajectory for the entire book right there. And he's taken up into heaven, and they begin uh, their mission. Mm -hmm. So there's a need in chapter 1 to replace Judas, who has faced an untimely death, right? We saw that he hanged himself in the Gospels. Here we see that he bought a field and he fell headlong and was and burst open and his bowels spilled out bummer that is rough spilled out so how did he die probably he hung himself and then his body you know fell off when he hung himself you think it just like deteriorated off or do you think like the birds you know chewed him away i want to go with it just it like deteriorated it's kind of a mixture of both right like rotting maybe the tree branch broke or something yeah maybe he didn't do a very good job yeah Uh, but that's probably the the best guess as to what they're talking about there. Or maybe it was just the hand of God that said fall down. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. He's like, this is this will be your death wasn't bad enough at this point. I have to yeah. make it worse. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so they replace him with Matthias, who really isn't mentioned again. So <laughs> <laughs> but he's, you know, very important to mention at the beginning here. But they are the apostles are going to take this foundational role in the building of the church, mm-hmm. right? Ephesians 2.20 says that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Mm-hmm. So the apostles, while that office is not a permanent one, mm-hmm. right? We wouldn't call you Apostle Keith, uh, and, yes. and you wouldn't have you know power to, to heal. Your shadow wouldn't heal the sick as you walk by. No. Uh, we don't have that kind of an office today, but they form a foundation. Some people think we do. Some people do. Yeah. Yes, we call them... Kooks. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, some people use that term kind of loosely, so to be yeah. fair, but I, I don't think it's a good term to use for us today. Yes, agreed. But, agree. um, but yeah, so this foundational role is is being filled to that number of 12, and then Paul is going to be that 13th apostle, the one untimely born, as he'll say himself. Man, Paul is such a lucky guy. Yeah? I think he's super lucky. Yeah, I mean... He was murdering Christians and stuff. And so. God chose to save him and uh, use him mightily, huh? Yeah, I mean, I think it was Paul's free will, as we'll see. <laughs> my word. Paul was just like, you know what? I'm going to seek Jesus. Oh, my. Yeah, no, that's definitely not. We'll get there. We'll get there. Let's. I, I just can't help myself. Get ahead. Let's look at Pentecost. So cha- chapter 2. This is such a, an important chapter. So what happens is the, the church is gathered together on Pentecost. So this is 50 days after the the resurrection of Jesus, mm-hmm. I believe is the time frame. So he's been he's ascended, and they're they're waiting, and they're worshiping, and then there's this mighty rushing wind, mm-hmm. or a sound like a rushing wind that comes in, and everyone has a tongue of fire on their head. And then in verse four it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Mm. So what's a tongue of fire? Tongue of fire. There's like a little lick of fire? Or? Uh, yeah, you know what? There's like a tongue-shaped thing of fire. I don't know. Like, like I would. I, I always envisioned it as like a, like a, yeah, like a lick of fire. Yeah. You know, like this little flame. Yeah. But yeah, obviously it speaks to the, the tongues, right? So divided tongues. That language goes back to Babel, right? That image goes back to Babel. Right. So when were the tongues divided? When were languages divided? Right. 
that was at Babel. And so that appears, and then they begin speaking in different languages. So this feels a lot like the Tower of Babel, which was a curse. Mm-hmm. But they're all speaking one message. You know, some people try to make it that everyone just heard in their own language. It was a miracle of hearing. Mm. But the Spirit is put into the, the apostles, and it says that they began to speak in other tongues. So it's pretty clear. Right. That's not what's being said. They are spe- So a bunch of people go out speaking in different languages, proclaiming the gospel. And so really, this isn't just a repetition of Babel. This is a reversal of Babel. Right. The, a message of unity and peace being given to all people in their own language so that people, even if we can't speak the same language, we can be united in faith by Jesus. Yeah, the good news can be heard in every tongue. And the same yeah. spirit is going to be given to each person who yeah. believes. Amen. Yeah. So there's, there's something really significant happening here that goes all the way back to the beginning of history mm-hmm. and how people have been divided. Mm-hmm. So God's working to undo all of those divisions. And mm-hmm. of course, the greatest division is the division of sin, right. the gulf between God and man, mm-hmm. which is what Jesus came to, to, to mend. Preach. So they began to you know, hear this. All the people that are gathered there began to hear these guys preaching and they're asking, are these people drunk? Yep. What's, what's going on here? Um, there's, a, there's a mention even of all these different nationalities, which is interesting. It kind of reminds me of you know, uh, Genesis chapter 10, this table of nations. Uh, yeah. right? These people are spreading out. Um, so it's a mention of all these different places mm-hmm. that are coming and hearing about the gospel and they're not sure whether to believe or to make fun of it, right? Yeah, you know, there's people drunk. Yeah. So, so it's only the third hour. <laughs> yeah, it's only, what that, is that noon? Or nine o'clock, I think, is, what, is the third hour. Yeah. I guess it depends. I bet I bet our thingy has a, it would has be a nine, footnote right? here. I think it's nine, right? I believe it's nine o'clock. Yeah, yeah nine a.m. Nine a.m., but yeah. not the best time to get drunk. Well, never is a good time to get drunk. Come on. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> And in um, what am I saying here? Yeah, whatever. In a practical time, so Peter gets up to preach. Um, so they're sharing the gospel. There's this challenge, and so Peter begins to address them, and he begins to speak to the importance of tongues. Mm-hmm. And he quotes from so again, tongues meaning different languages. Yeah. Um, he he begins to quote from the prophet Joel. Again, we went through the through the book of Joel last year, so you can find that video. And this is, this is what he says. So he quotes from Joel, In the last days it shall be, so there's that theme, latter days. That's a, that's a big theme in this book. But he says that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So, and then at the end of that quote, he says, And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Mm-hmm. So tongues, this, this miracle of speaking in different languages, was a pointer to the coming of the last days and judgment upon the nation of Israel. Right. So it was a sign that God was working in the midst of these people. Yeah, so it's the tongues are not um, just random noises coming out of the mouth? No, yeah, no. It's not, <laughs> and it's not a heavenly language. I guess we'll get there when we get to 1 Corinthians. Yeah. That's not the idea here. It's real languages that communicate something and that show that God is extending his gospel to the Gentiles, yeah. to all nations. That's a, that's a big part of this picture. So it, Peter's saying this and confronting them, and he says, right, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In the Old Testament context, who is the Lord that is being mentioned in verse 21? Hmm. 
Well, it's not it's not Jesus. At least you right. wouldn't read it that way. Right. You'd read it. It's Yahweh. Right. And that Lord, L-O-R-D, in the Old Testament is going to be capitalized, at least right. in the ESV, because it's the word Yahweh. So he's speaking of God, clearly. And now he's saying, he's going to be saying, you need to believe in the name of Jesus. Right. So salvation comes from believing in the name of the Lord who is Jesus. And that idea of name, as we'll see later, is is a, the power behind someone's name, mm-hmm. the truth of someone's name and, and what that identifies them as. So the big statement there, and then he goes on to say, to speak of Jesus's crucifixion, right? Verse 23 says, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, mm. you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Bold. Yeah, I mean, he's really going to hit them hard, and so yeah. does Stephen. Yeah. Like, Stephen is, oh, yeah. is, is yeah, yeah, very Stephen bold. Yeah, Stephen has his mic drop at the end and of his yeah. sermon. Yes. Great sermon. Um, but what he's showing here is that the crucifixion of Jesus is part of the plan of God. Mm-hmm. So this plan of God theme is, is so big, and here he's saying that Jesus died because God wanted it to happen. Mm-hmm. But the people that killed him are guilty of a crime, right, because they did it of their own freedom. Right. They, they, um, they killed Jesus. So then he goes on to speak. He quotes from um, from the Psalms, right, and and David's words, and how David says essentially he's not going to see corruption. His body won't see corruption. Mm-hmm. But then in verse twenty nine, he says, "Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day." So he's saying uh, David's body rotted away. Mm-hmm. So this that promise can't be speaking just to David, right? It has to be speaking to someone greater, someone who is the fulfillment of the big promises. Yeah. And of course, that's Jesus. So, and then he, got, he says, it kind of toward the end there, he says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Mm. And so they're, they're cut to the heart by that. They're convicted and they say, what must we do to be saved? Mm-hmm. What, what must we do? And, and the answer is given in verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Wow, amazing. So believe, repent. Um, those are just two sides of the same coin, right? Repent is moving away from sin, right. and, and belief is moving towards God, essentially. And so, um, yeah, so he gives this incredible message, and there were 3,000 people converted that day. Yeah. Start of the church. That's a good day. That's a good day for most yeah. churches, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, compared to like the big revivals today, yeah. with faith healing, it's nothing. But you know. yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna say compared to you know GCC and oh. the thousands. <laughs> I mean, it's like a daily occurrence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, that's that's uh, pretty awesome. Um, so yeah, and then we see this at the end of chapter two. We see a picture of the early church, mm-hmm. very famous, you know, picture, but. Uh, Just here are some of the things here that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So that's what we do today still, right? We call ourselves Gospel Community Church. There's the apostles' teaching, gospel, and fellowship community, right? That's what we're we're all about. The breaking of bread and the prayers. So they're eating together and they're they're praying together. And they're doing wonders through the apostles, right? Because the apostles have this special office that their, their office, you know, gives them that ability to do miracles mm-hmm. and to the other people at that same time were able to do miracles because of the apostles. Mm-hmm. It's not, not an abiding and unchanging thing. But they had everything together in common and they were selling things and giving to those in need. 
and then they were, verse 46, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So we see all different aspects of the, the community of the, of the church, the teaching, the prayer, the, the praise and worship together. It's an amazing thing. And then it ends by saying, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Mm. So God is working. God is bringing people to salvation. His church is beginning to expand and grow. That's awesome. But the, the, you know, what we see is that the church is going to grow so much in Jerusalem that God doesn't want the church to stay there. Right. So God will use his means, um, strangely enough, the, the Apostle Paul, to push people out of Jerusalem. Yeah. So Paul has always been a sender of other people, yeah. right? He did it later when he's going out and he's appointing people, but early on he did it through his sin by persecuting them, by, <laughs> yeah. by beating them and imprisoning them. So praise the Lord. Yeah, that's awesome. Any takeaways for us? Um, well, we haven't got to chapter three. Oh, that's right. We still oh, have chapter goodness. three. I forgot. What's going on? We still got one more chapter. I'm deeply offended. Yes. yes. Um, well, they, they heal a lame man. I, I just want to I just want to say I want to see a faith healer do this. Uh, Verse seven. He took him. This is a guy who has you know I've deep, done that before. Lame legs. <laughs> he took him up by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. So his legs are literally like reformed mm-hmm. in the moment. I want I want to see that happen. Then I will believe in that. You've seen um what's his name um. Todd White, no, what's his name? Todd White, <laughs> yeah, the dreadlocks guy, yeah, dreadlocks guy. Yeah, like, yeah. He does the the classic ankle rotation to like it's like make, your your, you know? your leg like grows like by a quarter of an inch, yeah, 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 pretty cool to, to even things out, yeah, yeah that's so amazing. Hurt anymore. That's amazing, yeah, no. <laughs> that's a true miracle. Seen it, seen it before with my own eyes, yeah. <laughs> I've seen it on video. Um, but it, he, he, you know, Peter gives another sermon and he challenges them again, right, to repent. Verse, verse 19, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. So uh, yeah, beautiful sermon given and a reminder at the end there that Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecies from Moses hmm. in verse 22. Um, he's the prophet that Moses promised and that he's the fulfillment of the promises to Abraham. Hmm. Right in verse 25 and 26, that Abraham, so he says, verse 25, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Genesis 12, Pretty cool. Genesis 22 there. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. So he's focusing again on the plan of God. God's been in control the whole time. God is moving the pieces to fulfill his plan perfectly. Yeah, amen. What an encouragement. I think it's cool just to see the church, you know, starting and growing. And that should be encouraged as we go to church today. So. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us for Daily Gospel. We'll see you next week for the next part of the Book of Acts.